The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Well, very pleasant Sunday, everyone. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Mark Segrist, along with Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors, owner and president Brian Wickert, of course, and chief millennial loan consultant David Wickert. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with uh, all of them today. If you have a question or a comment, you can uh, reach us on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, the number 414-799-1620. Brian, you got a busy show looking at the rundown today. You've got a lot of helpful stuff for our listeners out there today. So uh, knowing well, you, you want know, to get we, going here. We always try to be as helpful as we can. By the way, uh, millennial Chief Millennial Loan Officer David Wickard has the day off. So, so, you so it's you and me, Any pal. peeps out of him. It's just you and me. That's <laughs> there fine. You go. Hey, let's get started with this interesting survey that the National Association of Realtors did of what they're calling aspiring homeowners or home buyers, actually, they called them. And uh, this is a survey that they did uh, throughout 2017. They had their um, professional pollsters uh, interview 9,000 um, people a month, so a total of 10,800 over the course of the year, which produces a margin of error, by the way, of 3.3% at a 95% confidence level for all you statisticians out there. Interestingly, because you got to remember, part of the market is move-up buyers. And in fact, I just looked at Acunet's number, about 60% of our home purchase finance transactions this year are for move-up buyers, and the other 40% are for first-time buyers. So in this survey group, they talked to 63% of the folks were existing homeowners, another 28% were renters, and 9% lived with someone else, maybe their parents. Um, are almost half of the current non-homeowners, so the people that are renting or living with someone else, were 34 years old or under and check this out mark yeah over half over half 57 percent had household income under fifty thousand dollars interesting so when yeah. you look at that it screams affordable housing right it's absolutely. Like, hmm, absolutely especially if you're on the coasts or in a more expensive area so that's just one nugget that i took away now here's my first quiz question for you yes sir. what percentage of the non-owner group, all right, so people who are renting or living with others, what percentage of them do you think said it was a good time to buy a home? 60%, 70%, or 80%? I would say 60. Am I close? You are right on the button. 60% of the non-owners said it was a good time to buy. 80% of the existing homeowners said it was a good time to buy. What about this interesting question? Okay. Is home ownership part of the American dream? Did 60% of the non-owning people say that, agree with that, 75% or 90? I would say, being that they're non-homeowners currently, that dream is very much alive. All right, so you're going in the middle or the high end, 75% or 90? I would go on the higher end. I really okay, would. You got that? 90% is the answer for uh, existing homeowners because they're already living the dream. And the answer for non-homeowners is 75%. So That's still pretty low. high, though, right? Really? 
Well, well, you know, it depends on your perspective, you know. Okay, now another interesting tidbit, 56%, so a little over half of the non-homeowners say they do not currently own because they cannot afford to buy. Another 25% say they want the flexibility of renting. Now, the good news for all the real estate agents and mortgage lenders who listen to our show is that, check this out, 82% of the current non-homeowners say they do want to own a home in the future. That's pretty darn positive. And what do you suppose the number one obstacle is for people when it comes to buying a home? I think they're fearful if the first time, uh, from my own experience, they're probably fearful to take that financial that financial step when they're young. Okay, so you're, so you're saying that the fear of the financial obligation, well, according to the survey, it's accumulating enough money for the down payment yeah. is the number one um, obstacle. But not, this was interesting. They broke it down by generation. And they asked the question, you know, do you think it's uh, very difficult, somewhat difficult, or not very difficult to save up for the down payment? Now, the millennials, much to my surprise, only 23% of them said it was very difficult. And that compares to a whopping 47% of Gen Xers. So that's the generation that's just a little older than the millennials. Right. So almost double the number of Gen Xers say that it's very difficult to save up for the down payment. It's a confident now, group flip- of people, isn't it? It's a confident well, group. Well, yeah, the millennials, right. Or, or maybe they're more in tune with reality, because we're going to talk about that in our next segment, are the various really low down payment loan offerings that Acunet has for first-time buyers. But when you put the two together, the very difficult and the difficult, uh, millennials uh, comes up to 62% of them say it's either difficult or very difficult, 66% of the Gen Xers say that it's either somewhat difficult or very difficult. And, and I, I think that, you know, with rent going up, um, the the main motivation, and this is borne out in the survey as well, right. as to why people uh, will buy a home, the number one reason, almost a third, is a life event such as getting married, starting a family, or retiring. The number two reason is an improvement in their financial situation. Uh, desire to settle down and to uh, and also more stable employment were kind of tied at 12 and 11 percent, but that means 93 percent of the answers are covered there. Nowhere in the server in the survey did income tax deductions appear, despite all the hoopla and <laughs> hand wringing that was you know foretold with the changes to the tax code. Right. That is not the reason people buy homes. It's to stop renting because people are tired of quote wasting their money. And then the other reason is. A life event, like getting married or having kids. All right, when we come back from this first break, we're going to dive into Acunet's first-time homebuyer programs and try to dispel or at least alleviate the myth of just how much money it takes to buy a home. We'll do that when we come back. Looking forward to it. Uh, You're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show right here on WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. You know, Brian, one of the things I'm learning from our weekly conversations is that if someone is really committed, especially to do it for the first time, uh, invest in a home, you can come up with different options to make it possible. I mean, there are options out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's all about the details. You know, it, it's always, uh, oh, what do we want to call it? Frustrating when people think, oh, I can get all the answers on the Internet. Well, hey, do your homework there. But it really, really pays to talk one of, with one of our smart, 
and well-trained and fully resourced loan consultants because there's more than meets the eye. So, uh, for example, I stopped in at a, a loan closing on Friday for Jessica, who was buying her first home and happened to be a duplex, which is the way a lot of people get started in real estate because now you got somebody else, a renter, and by the way, the other half of the duplex was already rented, uh, to help you make that mortgage payment. Her uh, real estate agent was Jeff Nielsen, and so uh, she took advantage of the WIDA loan program, Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority. That's the acronym WIDA. And uh, that's my number one go-to. That's, that's Acunet's number one go-to program for first-time buyers. Now, because this was a duplex, she needed to put 5% down, whereas on a single-family home, WIDA's uh, down payment minimum is 3%. But then check this out. With WIDA, they will also allow us to provide the homeowner with a second mortgage equal to 3% of the purchase price. So in Jessica's case, if you take the 95% that we were able to lend her of the purchase price on the first mortgage, 3% on the second mortgage, she only had to come up with 2% down. Wow. Not bad, right? Yeah. Now, if you do the math on a single family home, that's 0% down. So let's just run through an example. $200,000 home purchase price in the five-county metro area. By the way, the median purchase price in the five-county area last month was two twenty. And if we assume 4000 bucks in taxes and 600 bucks a year for homeowner's insurance and a 720 qualifying FICO score, so not the top basket, but like the third highest basket, here's how it shakes out. If a person was putting 3% down and took advantage of the 3% second mortgage, so they're really putting 0% down on WIDA's first-time homebuyer program, the total monthly payment is $1,550. Mm, $1,550. Okay. And you can own a $200,000 home that I described. That includes the taxes, the insurance, the monthly PMI, and 63 bucks a month for a second mortgage. $1,550, and you can own a single-family home in the metro area are $200,000. By the way, the rate on that is 4625, okay. but the APR is 5.124, and the difference mark is the cost of that monthly PMI. But it gets better. WIDA has another option, and it's gonna sound awful when I say it, because if I asked 1,000 people, hey, would you rather have a 4.625 rate with monthly PMI or a 5% rate with no monthly PMI? Right. Their initial answer is gonna be, I'll take the 4625. But here's what happens. Instead of 1550, when we switch and we go with a no monthly PMI program, the payment drops down to bring that up on my little spreadsheet here. It's 60 American dollars lower. Only 1488. Interesting. Okay. But isn't that wild? Yes, right. it's how you so do you it. Right. You would never know that or even think about that as a home buyer. And I I sent you a, a spreadsheet for you to look at that has all six of the first-time homebuyer programs that we're yep. going to briefly cover here in yes. this segment and the next. Yes. What we do is we bring this up on our computer screen, and the homebuyer and their significant other or their parents or whatever can look at our computer screens and go through each of these options visually so that they really understand what's going on. As you're talking to a consultant. Now, Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Live, like live commentary. This is like watching the, you know, Packer game and having the telestrator, you know, here's what happened. The tight exactly. end went around here and then the guy blocked it. So, um, so it's the same idea and people absolutely love it because they don't do mortgages every day. 
And folks, there are a lot of ins and outs in numbers. For example, one thing I want to bring up is that even though there is 0% down on, on the WIDA first-time home uh, buyer program, there are still $3,700 of other costs associated with buying. And let me briefly break them down. Yeah. $1,750 in loan costs. That includes things like the appraisal, the credit report, title insurance, and a $500 review fee to WIDA. Yes. Acunet gets no money from that 1750 bucks, it's all to third parties. You gotta pay a home inspection. I budgeted it in my examples, 500 bucks. And you pay that up front, by the way, when the home inspection is done, and that would in, typically for 500 bucks, you also get the radon test. Right. Most first time home buyers don't realize, you gotta pay the first year of homeowner's insurance premium in advance. I've got $600 budgeted for that. And you sock away some money for the year-end property taxes when you close. You, in my example, for the weed alone, we socked away $700. Yes. That's because if you closed in July, your first monthly payment wouldn't be until September. So we have to collect one-twelfth of the taxes for the month of August when you're not making a payment. And... Uh, WIDA gets to keep a one-month cushion. And lastly, there's a little bit of interest from the day you close until the end of the month. Put it all together, and in addition to the zero down payment, which, of course, is zero, you need 3700 bucks. But guess who can pay that? The buyer could pay it. But all or part of it could come from a gift from a relative or the seller. The seller can pay for those other closing costs, oftentimes okay. called prepaid. So it's part of the negotiation. Of, flexibility. It's part of the negotiation. Absolutely. Okay. And it happens all the time. All right. So when we come back from this break, let's just cover a couple of the other uh, income uh, restrictions on the WIDA program. And then we'll move on to two other excellent first-time homebuyer programs. One of them does not have an income limit. We'll cover that when we come back. You're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. And we're learning all about first-time home buying options here during our conversation with Brian. And Brian, when you get a chance, sir, uh, we do have a, a question from Darlene, who's uh, a loyal listener, and I can relate that to you when you get a chance. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm waiting for my cue here. Darlene asked the question about capital gains related to the sale of a property. Hi, Brian. Oh, hi, Darlene. Welcome to the yeah, show. Yeah, uh, I'm the one that sold the property to Jeff. So I met you as well oh. on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that was fantastic. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys did a great job with the closing, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Nice and smooth. So, but my question is, how much money should I be putting away to be safe for capital gain? Because I know when I think 2018, there's a new rule or something. Well, uh, I didn't ask you when I met you on Friday, but were you living in the duplex or was that a rental no. property? It's rental property. Okay. So it's going it's to okay. be capital so gain. Right. So there is no exclusion. And so just for anybody listening, if it had been Darlene's uh, primary residence, you can exclude uh, up to $250,000 of long-term capital gain. You know, so if you bought the house for two hundred and you sold it for four fifty, you don't have to pay um, long-term capital gains. But that's only if it was your primary residence. So in your case, it's going to be long-term capital gains, because I assume you owned that duplex for more than one year, correct? Well, correct. 
Yep. And so then you just have to take a look at if you Google um, the um, federal tax, federal income tax brackets. Okay. Um, just just because I looked at this for somebody else recently. Um, okay. Are you single or or married? Single. Okay, so you get to pay more taxes sooner than other people. So a kind of middle of the road um, uh, tax bracket is, oh wait, but for the capital gains, you know what, I will do a little homework on the break and see if I can come up with the marginal tax rate for long term capital gains. Because you know what, I didn't, I, I don't have that at my fingertips. I was thinking regular income, which would apply if it was a short term gain, but you've got long term capital gains. So The old answer was 15%, by the way. That was the old answer. We'll see if we can come up with the, yeah. We'll see if we can come up with the new. Now, remember, you also have to add back all the depreciation that you took while you owned that home. So you probably want to talk to an accountant. And if you need an accountant, you know, uh, I'll I'll find your email and and, uh, I can text you or email you my cousin's uh, phone number because you do have to take a lot of things into account. Uh, when it's a rental property. Thanks for calling into the show. And okay. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Great, yeah. great to meet you. It. All right. After this uh, break for the news, Mark, we will uh, continue on our journey of first-time home buying programs, including those with and without income limits. And we'll cover that right after the news. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Well, as the expression goes, keep her moving. It's a phrase used by Charlie Behrens, better known as the Manitowoc Minute Guy. His viral videos have taken over Wisconsin this past year. WTMJ's Eric Bilstad got a chance to sit down with him and discuss his newfound fame. Hear that and much, much more at 11 o'clock coming up this morning on WTMJ Conversations. WTMJ News Time 1035. Returning to our conversation now with Brian, and you're helping listeners with the first time home buying options and you have numerous you do this all the time yes we we have we have many flavors and so you know we started to talk about this because of a national association realtor survey that i found and was very informative and in talking about the number one obstacle is uh down payment when it comes to first-time home buyers buying a home and so we have a lot of options and we, and we started out talking about uh, WIDA. W-H-E-D-A, the WIDA loan program, which is a state agency. It's a regular 30-year fixed rate loan. In fact, they sell the loans to Fannie Mae. But they have special magical powers that allow them to reduce the interest rate. And so we were looking at a $200,000 example purchase of a $200,000 home. And because WIDA offers 0% down, if we combine that with their no PMI program, we can get that payment down to $1,488 a month, which is really good. And the total amount of money that is needed at closing is $3,700. And that's for everything but the down payment. Um, So the one drawback, I'll say, of the WIDA program is it has a household income limit. And so when we do a loan for somebody that is going to go with WIDA, we have to count the gross income of everybody in the household regardless of whether they will be an owner of the home or whether or not they will be a borrower. So for example, if it's a husband and wife and grandma is gonna live there and grandma gets social security, but she's not gonna be on the loan, we still have to count grandma's social security income to determine if the household earns too much money. And by the way, the limit is $77,300 
maximum gross income for one to two person households for WIDA and $88,895 for households of three or more. Uh, and by the way, that income limit varies by state. I'm sorry, by county. WIDA is only for Wisconsin properties. And you can find the grid. Uh, I've got a really nice table that compares all these first time buyer programs on our webpage under the buy a home option. So you click on that tab and then you get this really nice grid of the various features and restrictions <clears throat> for each of the first time buyer products. Brian, can I ask All a right, follow-up so, question to that, if I may? Yeah, of course. Would, would that yeah. would that even include, say, for example, an adult child who has some income as he or she might be in college, for example? Yeah, yeah. If they're part of that household, that would be okay. Yeah, that would be counted. Yeah, or a paper route if the kids, you know. I think over 16, there might be some odd little thing where if they're under 16 years old, we don't have to count it. But if they're over 16, they have a part-time job. You know, let's say your kid works at uh, at Wendy's or something like that. Okay. <clears throat> or Culver's. Yeah, you'd have to count that income. So let's say you're just a little bit over that limit. Ah, oh, because darn it, we have to count uh, both borrowers' income. And, and, and maybe, you know, the one of the borrowers just makes a little bit of money, but it pushed us over the edge. Well, then we would switch gears and look at Fannie Mae's super cool 30-year fixed rate home ready loan product. And again, just like the Huida, it comes in two flavors, one with monthly PMI and one without. And the one with the monthly PMI, the monthly payment would be $1,508. By the way, it's got a 3% down payment, and the rate would be 4.75 with an APR of 5.26. So the monthly payment is 1508 but compared to the WIDA loan, you have to come up with more money out of pocket because you have to make the down payment. So compared to WIDA, remember where it was $3,700 total money out of pocket to buy? Yeah. Now it's 8300 bucks. Why? Because you're having to come up with that $6,000 down payment. And then the version without the monthly PMI, that has a little lower payment, fourteen seventy a month. So again, even lower than the uh, WIDA program, but that's because you're not borrowing as much money. You're avoiding that second mortgage that WIDA offers to pick up the 3% down payment. And uh, again, total money out of pocket is about 8300 bucks. All right, when we come back, I do have the answer to Darlene's question on capital gains, and she might be delighted by the answer I'm going to give. Excellent. And then we'll cover the last two first-time homebuyer programs that we have available right after this. All right. You're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And Brian, you've been busy uh, researching that question that Darlene threw your way earlier in the show. Uh, I know she's grateful yeah. for you helping her out here. All right, so here's the answer. Uh, and the question was, uh, Darlene sold a duplex on Friday in the offices of Accident Mortgage. And she was the seller. The buyer was Jessica, who had really cool glasses, by the way. And Darlene was the seller. So because it was a rental property for Darlene and she made money on it, she might have to pay long-term capital gains. She told us just a couple minutes ago that she's a single filer. And so check this out. If she makes less than $38,600 of taxable income, remember that's yes. not the same as your adjusted gross income. It's after you get to take your deductions. If she makes less than $38,600, the long-term capital gain rate is now zero. 
Really? Well, yeah. If you make 38601 all the way up to and including $425,800, then the capital gains rate is 15%. And if you make $425,801 of taxable income or more, the taxable uh, uh, long-term capital gains tax rate is 20%. So she, I'm, I'm guessing that she's going to be either in the zero or the 15% long-term capital gain rate. So there you go. And interesting. thanks again for coming to closing yeah, on interesting Friday. Stuff. And by the way, that buyer purchased her duplex, owner-occupied duplex using WIDA's 30-year fixed rate loan program through Acunet. Uh, and, and she only had to put 2% down. Um, but in a single family home, we talked a couple of segments ago, WIDA is our go-to favorite. And on our example of a $200,000 mm-hmm. home, a, per- a person can buy a $200,000 home, assuming $4,000 in property tax, 600 bucks in um, uh, homeowner's insurance. And your monthly payment would be $1,488. And the total money uh, of money it would take to buy that house is $3,700. So that's our best execution. WIDA comes with income limits. Now, they do have um, a version of WIDA that is eligible not just for first-time buyers, but also repeat buyers. And that one, of course, can use for first-time home buyers. The rate is just a little bit higher. Uh, but the income limits are also higher. And those are $88,895 for one- to two-person households and then 104000 bucks and change for three or higher households. So... You know, you're getting the picture here that for moderate income people, they get the best deal. Right. And maybe that's how it should be. And that's what the limits are all about. I assume that's what the limits are all about because they want to make sure that those who can really use it are have more access to it, really. Are getting the benefit. That's right. right. Now we're switching over to that situation where, ah, they're above. This family is above the limit but they're buying still a reasonably priced house. So this is where we get really smart with Fannie Mae's Home Ready program because with them, it's not the household income. We only have to count the income toward the income limit of those who are borrowing the money. So we have done many loans that would fall outside of WIDA's purview. But when we say, oh, we're just gonna use the wife's income and leave the husband's off, then they fit underneath the $77,300 annual income limit. And voila, we're into Fannie Mae's Home Ready Loan Program, where the minimum down payment is 3%, but we get better pricing on the loan. And the private mortgage insurance is cheaper. So our best execution there uh, so far on this $200,000 loan is a payment of $1,470 a month and total out-of-pocket of $8,300 to buy the home. But wait, there's more. Fannie Mae offers a 3% down loan program for first-time buyers. Only one of the buyers has to be first-time. So if you have a situation where one person owned a home, the other person did not, no problem. And check this out, no income limit, no income limit on this version. So uh, the rate on that, by the way, would be 4.99%. The APR is 563 Monthly payment, not that much different, $1,564, and same out-of-pocket of of $8,300 in order to buy that $200,000 home. And then lastly, for folks who might have had some credit trouble, um, FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, no income limit on that. There is a loan size limit that I didn't look up, but I think it's around $300,000 right now for a single-family home. 
The rate on that's 4.625. There is government mortgage insurance on that. So the monthly payment would be $1,530. And total out-of-pocket, because it's a 3.5% down payment, is $9,560. So there it is. I think a lot of people, Mark, a lot of first-time home buyers only know what they know or what their mom told them or what they read online. And they might think, oh, I got to have 20% for a down payment. Right. Oh, I got to have 10%. Oh, maybe my, my brother-in-law told me I need to have 5%. Well, here was just a whole cornucopia of loan offerings that Acunet has with as little as 0% down. And the key is get professional advice. We would love first-time home buyers at Acunet Mortgage, and we think we've got the widest variety and best tools in our toolkit, and we know how to use them. So if you're thinking about buying a home, please give us a call or click on the blue button. You'll find the blue button and our phone number at acunet.com. When we come back, let's talk about my two sticky wicket um, lake properties, appraisals that we have going on right now. We'll cover that when we come back. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Find a place to call home. Without the headache, this is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right. Now, I know you've got a couple of great appraisal stories to share with us, but also the Trump administration's come up with a bit of a surprise this week, too, right, in the news? He, yes. Uh, nobody was expecting this, but as part of the budget proposal, budget proposal, which is unusual, uh, the Trump administration came out and said, hey, um, here's our plan for reworking Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. All right, so without killing you with all the details, just know that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the reason that we have plentiful low-rate 30-year fixed-rate loans in America. They are the plumbing that uh, makes that happen. And so you and I, Mark, and all of our listeners have had ownership uh, varying degrees in Fannie Mae and, and Freddie Mac since 2008 when we basically said, you guys don't have enough money to fulfill all of the promises you made to make investors whole when foreclosures happen. They're essentially two giant insurance companies. Yeah. And so we've taken them over. We're making, we made all our money back. And so, but now those two companies are still wards of the federal government. They are in what is called conservatorship. And so this proposal by the Trump administration says, hey, we're going to make them fully private again, not just partially private or kind of private. We want to make them fully private. Now, we will extend a limited federal guarantee uh, to them, but also anybody else who wants to come up with a company to compete with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Wow. So they are they are saying, let's take these companies private again and let's let them compete. There'll be very little government intervention and we want to encourage competition. All right. Nobody knows whether that's going to fly. Yeah. And is that a double edged sword? Is that a double edged oh, sword? Yeah. Good and bad? Well, well, the double edged sword is that if you all of a sudden get private capital in to provide this insurance coverage, essentially, that says, hey, if, if, if a borrower goes into foreclosure, this is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's promise, and and they're guaranteeing that loan, they will remit the uh, timely payment of interest to the end investor, maybe the State Teachers Pension Fund of Wisconsin, and eventually will make sure you get all your principal back, even if there's a huge loss on the foreclosure, as there was in 2008 and 9 and 10, 11 and 12. If you all of a sudden have to have 
private capital to come in and make that guarantee instead of the government. I'm going to tell you, I think rates are are going to go up on 30-year fixed rate mortgages by at least a percent. Okay. And so I just did the calculation. That's 122 bucks on a $200,000 loan. So I think that would be the consequence. And we have also talked about on our show the likelihood that they might tighten the um, pool of transactions that they cover. And that could happen just, by the way, as soon as this January when there's a new sheriff appointed, the new head of the uh, Federal Financial Housing Administration, uh, when they are the regulator for Fannie and Freddie. So bottom line is um, could be seeing higher rates because of regulatory actions or fewer types of loans that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are likely to buy. All right, so you're up to date on that. Now, a quick story on lake property. So the poor appraisers, they have to find comparable sales, right? That's how an appraisal is done. Here's my subject property. Now go find me at least three closed sales, as similar as possible. And so we have a transaction going on where it's on a lake in Sheboygan County, and it's a complete rebuild, right? They literally tore this thing down, built it back up, and it is gorgeous. The problem is the comparable sales are not that comparable because not many people sell brand uh, newly rem brand new remodeled homes, right? They usually then live in them. For quite a while before they sell them. So we have absolutely huge adjustments to the appraisal. Normally Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac want to see the appraiser adjust the value of the comparable sale by no more than 25%. The comparable sales have been adjusted 60, 70, and 75%, way outside the norm. And we're very lucky that we're not getting this loan denied right out of the box. We're only being asked to do a review appraisal which is going to take time. And guess how many appraisers there are in Sheboygan County? Mm. Not enough. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the number, but the answer is not enough. So it's not something that we're going to get turned around, you know, in a day. It's going to take a couple of weeks, which unfortunately is going to push the closing date back. But what's going to happen on this loan is we've already got the value, which, by the way, the original appraiser said it's worth what they're paying for it. But now when the review appraiser goes out and does their job, and kind of gives a critique of the first appraiser, whatever that review appraiser comes up with, if the number is lower, that's what we'll base the loan on. If, if they come in with the same or higher as the original appraiser, then we'll go with the original appraised number. So the good news is we at least know we're going to be able to make a loan. We just don't know the loan size yet. So there's hope for that one. I've got another one, but we're out of time. Hey, rates remain favorable, and that's because of the trade tantrum, I'm calling it, mm -hmm. or the tariff tantrum. So mortgage rates remain low, which means the window of opportunity for refinancing remains open, and the purchase market remains super hot. So you really want to consider having a rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval from Acunet, the only one that comes with a $1,000 guarantee for both the seller and the buyer, to make yourself that next best thing to a cash buyer. Or you can get a no social security number required refi checkup. Guess what? All you got to do is click on the blue button at acunet.com. David and I will both be back here next week. We'll see you then, Mark. Oh, well done, sir. We really enjoyed the hour. Great stuff. WTMJ News Time, 1058. The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.